Well, let me invite you now to open your Bibles to Psalm 122. Psalm 122. If you've been with us a while, you've, you've probably heard me talk about pickleball. Uh, it is a growing joy that especially my son and I, we have, we have been won over by this crazy, odd game. And Nikki, even, my wife, is, has started to join in on the fun. Uh, yesterday, my son participated in a local tournament, and I can tell you that he woke up with great anticipation. He was pumped. He was excited. And, and, and this is something that he was well prepared for because uh, we have... We've, because we've gotten into it so much, uh, we, we come to realize that, honestly, with pickleball, having a really nice quality paddle matters. It, it makes a difference in how you, the ball feels on the paddle, how you're able to deliver it over the net. And so um, my parents were willing to really invest and get us really high-quality paddles. And so my son had his quality paddle ready. Uh, he actually had bought a headband, too, because you've got to have a headband if you're in middle school playing pickleball, right? And, and so we had that ready. He had water bottles in his bag. And, and it, it was truly, he was, he was truly glad when it was time for him to go to pickleball. Isn't it easy for us to get excited about things like that? Whether it be a sporting event that we get to participate in, vacation. Those are things, those extracurricular activities are, are things that we can get easily pumped about. But I, I wonder how many of us, Look forward to gathering with God's people on a Sunday morning in a similar fashion. How many of you this morning were glad when it was time for us to gather together as the church? This is what our psalm speaks about this morning. In fact, I've entitled the sermon, The Joy of Gathering to Worship. There really is nothing like it. And so let's jump into Psalm 122 this morning. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as we decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to celebrate the, the sacrifice of Christ. Lord, a death that did not end in the grave, but ended with victory as, as you rose from the grave, defeating death so we no longer have to fear it. And Lord, for those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in you, God, we look forward with great anticipation when one day we will meet you face to face. Oh, we long for that day. But Father, as we wait, God, I thank you for the gathering this morning. 
I thank you for the opportunity we've had to encourage one another, to lift one another up. And I pray, I pray for us this morning that, Lord, maybe some of us need conviction because we've looked at church as a checklist item that this is what you should do. And so we come and we participate and we go home and we forget about it. And next Sunday we wake up groaning because we got to go to church when we could have slept in another day. Lord, I pray that we would just continually grow in anticipation whenever we gather together corporately. What a gift this is, especially in the climate of our world today. So, Lord, increase our joy and remind us of the gift that we have in meeting together as your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week we began our summer series working our way through these psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascents. Chapters 120 through 134 make up these psalms, and, and these were uh, songs that the Israelites sang as they made their way to Jerusalem to worship. There were three annual festivals that everybody, all 12 tribes, would gather together. The festival of Passover which was when the, the Lord passed over the Israelites and spared the death of their firstborn sons and instead struck down the Egyptians. They also went to celebrate the festival of tabernacles and the festival of Pentecost. And as we look at Psalm 122, I want you to pay attention to who wrote the book. It's somebody that we all, if you have been in church any length of time, you have heard the name David. David was, of course, a major, major figure in Jewish history. And do you know what the nickname of Jerusalem was? The city of David. So David was a warrior. He's, he was the one who struck down the giant Philistine Goliath as a shepherd boy. And later, God made him king over Israel, and he, and he brought much success to God's people, of course, by the hand of God. So I got a Bible quiz question for you. Was the temple built in Jerusalem during the time of David? No, it was not. Remember, though, David, he, he desperately wanted this to happen. He wanted to be the one that put this together. And, and in fact, we read this in, in 1 Chronicles 17.1. It says this, Now when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under a tent. So he, what, he, what he's pondering is, like, I, I live in this great place. This is an amazing place I live in. But when I look at the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, it is under a tent. This can't be. This, God deserves, see, the Ark represented the presence of God. And, and how, could he, how could it be kept under a tent? This needs its own home so we can go and we can, we can magnify God together. He wanted a holy place for the ark to rest, but God would not allow him to build it. We read further on in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. So ultimately, Solomon, David's son, was the one who built the temple. And, and that brings us back to Psalm 122. For David, 
This was an anticipation of the temple being built. He could only look forward to what it must be like. And he longed for the day when the temple would be built so that the 12 tribes could come and gather and praise God as a people. And here's the first thing that we see in our text. Come to church with great anticipation. Come to church with great anticipation. Look again at verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Notice when, when David received this invitation to go to the house of the Lord, he was glad. He was elated. He rejoiced. I mean, consider the frustrations that we read about last week that the people had to endure being around liars and deceitful tongues. We didn't go through 122 or 121, but we did read it about the hills and wondering where's my help going to come from in light of all that I see here. But now, here is the time where all those things are done away with and they're, they're together. They're in the temple. This is something that was greatly anticipated by David. No one had to drag him there. No one had to pull him out of bed. This is what he longed to do. And notice, whose house is he gathering at? It's the house of the Lord. They went to meet with the Lord. This wasn't social club time. This wasn't just to get to hang out with their friends. This was a time to meet with God Almighty. This was his house. And if you've read anything through David, if you know anything about David, he was a passionate worshiper often to the point that made people feel quite uncomfortable. He loved God. And he prioritized the gathering of God's people to lift high his name. When you think about gathering together with God's people to meet at church, to worship the Lord with others, is this something that you anticipate with joy? Are you glad when it's Sunday morning, it's time to go to church. Perhaps you did feel glad this morning. I, I, I surely hope so. And I want to ask you something. When you do feel joy, why is that the case? Is it because someone you like is going to be there? Is it, is it because it's a chance for you to just be with other people, hang out with friends? Do you particularly enjoy the songs and so you are joyful to come? Or is your joy in the fact that where two or more are gathered, surely God is with us? There is a unique thing that I don't experience anywhere else except with the gathering of God's people. I don't know about you, but for me, this is a very unique experience. I hate to use that word because that seems so weird, but it's a very unique opportunity where we gather as God's people and his presence is with us. Is that why you gather? I want to talk about ways that show that we are glad to come to the house of the Lord. You could call them proofs that display genuine delight to gather with God's people to glorify his name. 
So these are three Ps. If you've been through membership, you've heard these. So these are going to be a repeat for you. But I think it's worth mentioning here as we think of what does it mean to be glad? How do we show, how does it show that we are truly glad to gather with God's people? The first thing is, is we make church a priority. To make something a priority means it's on the calendar in ink. Nothing is going to get in the way of gathering with God's people for the sake of his glory. That means we, we won't miss it just because we don't feel like going. And there will be very few reasons why we miss. We aren't going to let trivial things get in the way of corporately meeting with our Savior. We've, we've made it a priority. That's what it means to be glad to come to the house of the Lord. Nothing else is getting in the way, if at all possible. If we can be here, we're here. Another way that we show that we are glad to, to gather is we prepare well for church. We prepare well. This is particularly necessary when you have a larger family. <laughs> Perhaps in order to best serve your family, you need to have clothes laid out the night before. Checking to see, do they need irons? This will allow there to be plenty of time to get ready for the morning so it makes it less stressful. For our house, we got to make sure we line up. Okay, who's taking a shower when? Okay, what time? Who's going to take a shower the night before? Who can't take a shower? Some of you are probably like, I can't take a shower tonight. i got to take it in the evening. All right, who, which one of you needs to take it in the morning? Which of you can take it now in the evening? Preparing yourself to be ready. Do you know where your Bible is? If you're a note taker, which I hope you are, do you, do you have your notebook ready to go? Not two minutes before you have to leave. I don't know about you, but sometimes at our house, it's like, where's your Bible? And it becomes this this scrounging around trying to find the Bible because they don't know where it's at. That's a whole other problem. But this is a way that we can prepare ourselves. Have you prayed? Listen, do you, do you think Satan is really excited about you going to church on Sunday morning? And so he's going to use everyone he can in your household in order to distract you and disrupt you from coming ready, anticipating joy. And so for some of us, we might need to spend, and probably all of us, spend a certain amount of time seeking the Lord. Perhaps we're waking up, men in particular, before our kids so that we can prepare our hearts. No matter if our kids are, are the demons live in our kids when they wake up, you know what I mean? Like they're crazy, out of control. We need to pray over our families. Sometimes the, the, the Sunday mornings can be the most stressful times for believers. There's, there's not, that's not a, it's not an accident. We shouldn't be surprised by that. We can prepare ourselves by seeking the Lord and asking him to at least, in the adults, meet in our hearts so that we can be prepared to take on whatever gremlins wake up from their beds. Make church a priority. Prepare, prepare well for church. And then lastly, we can show that we are glad to come to the house of the Lord by participating. Participating. This means if, if you have a voice to sing, God intends for you to sing. You've heard me say this before, but the Bible doesn't say make a beautiful noise. It says make a joyful noise. Amen? Some of you should be shouting amen really loud. <laughs> I, I mean this with everything in my being. There is nothing more beautiful than to hear a story of someone and to hear them blasting out praises to God. I don't care if they're way off pitch. Okay, we're not going to put them up on stage. 
but you can sing where you're at. You can make a joyful noise from your heart. Participate. When people say, I can't sing, guess what? I don't care. Do you have a voice? Can you do spoken word? God's given you a voice to do it. It's in the scripture. Sing praise to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. This is a command. This is what we're called to do. This is what we do. This is what it means to be a believer. If you have a voice, use it. Participate. Another thing I would encourage you to do is to bring a physical copy of God's word. Okay, I'm not going to get legalistic about it. Perhaps, you know, there, there are certain times, like at conferences in particular, I use my iPad because I can have my Bible on one side and notes on the other. But like generally speaking, in church on Sunday mornings, if, if I'm not preaching, I like to have a written word. Here's why. I don't know about you, but I can't, I can, I can't not be distracted. Does that make sense? Too many negatives. All you English people are like, Ben, this is terrible. <laughs> I, I get distracted easily when my phone or my iPad is dinging or you know how messages scroll up when they, when they come through and it tells you different things. I used to like have my phone on me and like it would give you an update. Here's how much data you use this week, like right during church. I'm like, I got to get this phone out of my pocket because it's, it's distracting me. And so I would encourage you to, to consider if you use a digital copy, is that really the best thing for you? And here's another thing, even in good conscience, I can find myself like, oh, this is an interesting passage. Oh, look, there's a, there's, a pa- there's a scripture that it points to that it says elsewhere. And so I find myself going through scripture, and then 10, 15 minutes later, I just, I found myself completely distracted. And I'm missing out on what, what God has for me through the preacher of the morning. So just encouragement to you, participate, sing, bring your Bibles Take notes if that helps you. One reason why I take notes is because I do get easily distracted. And so notes just help me kind of pay attention. Like, What do you need to do in order to participate? Parents, I would also encourage you to have your kids bring a Bible because they get used to it. This is what we do in church. We bring God's word because we get to open God's word. We get to see it with our own eyes. It's so important for us to show even as parents, show our children the value of God's word and what it means to us that we're going to bring it. I want you to bring your Bible too. Get them in the habit of doing that. So let me ask you brothers and sisters in Christ, do you come to church with joyful anticipation? Is church attendance something that you make a priority? Do you make the proper preparations for it? Do you participate in church? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Look at verse 3. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord as we decreed, as, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Here's what we see in this. The church is stronger together. The church is stronger together. David is inside Jerusalem. He's marveling at the strength and the unity that it sees around him. All 12 tribes have 
have gathered from some from faraway places to meet solely for the purpose of getting together to worship God. Each tribe in their different cultures, I would imagine each of them had some kind of different flavor, if you want to say, about them. I'm sure they didn't all look the same, but they gathered around the one thing that brought them together, the Lord. Today we, we live in the world where the church is often known for its disunity. Even within denominations, they can be so divided amongst themselves that in some cases to the world, they become a, laugh, a laughing stock. Now listen, I, I don't think the different denominations in and of themselves are bad. The problem comes when we have this superiority complex to think that We've got the corner on God and theology. Now, as a church, we believe firmly that theology matters, right? What we believe about salvation is absolutely critical. What we believe that the word preaches and teaches us is necessary for us to have a proper understanding. We must be sure that we major on the majors and minor on the minors. Listen, when, when God looks down at the church, Big C Church, he doesn't define us by what denomination we were a part of or what church we were a part of. This is what God looks at. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The people who are written in the Lamb's book of life are the people of God. He doesn't see Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians. He sees those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ alone for salvation. It matters what we believe. Don't, don't get me wrong here. And if we agree on the main things and we are true brothers and sisters in Christ, then that should be reflected in how we treat one another. You know, we're, we're, we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention, the SBC. It's not an identity I see. It's a partnership I have. And, and sadly, I've, I've somewhat been ostracized by some local Indiana pastors in the SBC. For, for what reasons, I have no idea. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. If we have unity in Christ then we should come together. As long as there are no heretical beliefs another church has, and we all stand on salvation by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, we should strive for unity. We are stronger together. And that strength, I think, first starts here in our local body at Gospel Community Church. I, I want you to know as elders, we often look around at who God has brought here, and we're amazed at the unity we have. Grateful for the strength of people that God is bringing. I look around and see people that I love. It, it truly is, it's a joy. It's a joy to come here and be with you. It's a joy to sing with you. When we have prayer gatherings together, it, it, is, it is something that I look forward to anticipation. It's not hard to come. We are grateful for the unity, and we need to make sure we continue to fight for that because Satan's going to want to come in and, and, and tear us apart, and the, the reality is we need to keep coming back to Jesus. We need to fight for unity. We are stronger 
together. Not only that, but, but we should desire unity with other churches in our area. It's this desire I have to see local churches grow in unity, and that part is hard. I know there are people who weren't happy that we were planting yet another church in Elkhart County. But here's what I've come to realize. There are 200,000 people in Elkhart County. If you were to fill every church that we currently have with people, there still wouldn't be enough room. We're not, we're not here to take the corner and steal sheep from other people. We're just here to provide more green grass to reach people that other churches aren't able to reach. We are stronger when we work together. I have started to build relationships. There's a couple pastors in the area that I've been meeting with and just trying to build a relationship. We would look different on Sunday mornings. But the reality is, is we have the major things in common with one another. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Sunday mornings may look a little different. Worship may look a little different. The preaching may sound a little different, except for the fact that we all stand on Christ alone. There's no way that, that Gospel Community Church can reach all 200,000 people alone. It's impossible. We need other churches. We need fellowship with one another. We are stronger together. This is why we are part of the Great Commission Collective. Just it has become a sweet, sweet fellowship. In fact, I would invite you if, you, if you love going to church conferences, which again, there's nothing like that when you gather together with like-minded people and all of a sudden you have these brothers and sisters who there's just a joy there. You, may, you don't even know who their names are, but like to be together with God's people who are there for the same reason is something beautiful. We're going to actually gather in Canada on October 23rd that week for a few days to have a conference. And there's nothing like God's people gathering together to lift high the name of Jesus. We are stronger together. We should not have this thing where gospel community has it all together and nobody else does. We're better than your church. No, there's no, there's no room for that. We are just, we're just beggars helping other beggars find bread. We're just under shepherds of the great shepherd. So let me ask you, is, is that how you see the Christian life? Do you believe that you are stronger you are a stronger believer as you participate in Christian fellowship. Do you participate in the church to help make us stronger? Do you strive for unity even when it's hard because you understand how it will grow the kingdom of God? There's no reason to look at somebody who goes to another church, and I don't see you people doing, I don't see us doing that, but we need to be careful to make sure that if we have the right things in line with one another, and there's not heresy being proclaimed, then we should strive to link arms to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness for the sake of Christ. We are stronger together. Look at verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Here's the last thing. The church is a place of peace. The church is a place of peace. 
The psalmist here calls for the prayers of peace in the city. There's a call for peace for those who love the Lord. There's, there's a call for peace in the, in the house of the Lord. Peace for all people, really. And peace is what the, the world is longing for. And it will do everything it can to find it. And yet, apart from Christ, it never will. You see, David here understood that peace can only come from the Lord. And we know, ultimately, that he was a shadow of the peace that can only come from Christ. The world looks for peace in substance, alcohol, drugs, sex, relationships, food, entertainment, suicide, murder. None of these things bring lasting peace. Peace can only be found in Christ alone. Do you remember what Isaiah 9, 6 says? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus came to bring peace. Something that we could never find on our own. And, and here is what, here's where I think the main problem comes from. And we have to be careful that we aren't just seeking peace for peace's sake. That's called idolatry. If we're seeking after peace, then what we're going to do is we're going to accept anything in our life that we think can bring peace. Oh, Jesus can bring peace? Okay, I'll take him. Oh, this, this, this food that I can bring peace? Oh, if my, if my sports team wins, I can ha have peace. And, and we just kind of throw Jesus in there sometimes. We, we can't seek peace for peace's sake. That is called idolatry. Think of it this way. If peace is the end goal, then we will do whatever we can to find it. Even if it means taking somebody else's peace away. We'll go to war to make life easier for us. The marriage doesn't bring me peace, so I'm going to end it. I can't bring this baby into the world because it won't bring me peace, so I'm going to terminate it. I can't find peace in my life, so I'm going to end it. These things, if we're seeking peace for peace's sake, we're going to set ourselves up. I want you to turn with me and hear from our Savior to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus in this passage, we, we've preached through this before at our church a while ago. And really the point of what Jesus is going after here is, is what we should be about. What we should be seeking after. And what he's going to say is don't seek after peace. Don't seek after provision for yourself. Those things actually just lead to anxiety. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here's this. Here's the key verse here, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's what he's saying in this, this particular passage, and I'll tie it back to Psalm 122. He's saying, don't, don't, don't worry about needing clothes to wear. Don't worry about finding a roof over your head. Don't worry about the need for food. I know you need these things. Stop being consumed by them. You don't, you don't need those things. You need me. Seek first Jesus. Jesus came to bring the kingdom. Seek Christ. If you want the things that you need in this world, you'll find it all in Christ. Let Christ be your focus. And listen, I'm telling you, when you put Jesus at the center of your life and all you're doing is looking to make much of him with all of your life, the peace will come. But if you spend all of your attention on just seeking and trying to find peace, then every bad circumstance that comes into your life is going to steal that peace away. You know the, the hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. This is what it means when we find peace in Christ alone, that even when sorrows like sea billows roll, there's still this peace because we know that we are firm in Christ. Right? Ephesians 1 through 3, our identity is firm in Christ. He has saved us by grace apart from works. And so nothing can take us out of our Father's hand. Not even these bad circumstances. And even when the bad circumstances, we like Paul can say, I don't want, I, these momentary light afflictions aren't even worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory. Brothers and sisters, the church is a place of peace because at church, it's all about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. He has taken care of our greatest problem. Do you believe that? Do you live it out that way? Or do you allow every little trial and big trial that comes your way, do you allow that to sweep your peace away? If that's you, that you may be an idolater. Jesus didn't promise you peace with your circumstances. He promised you peace with him. And if we continually move forward as a church pursuing the glory of God alone, then we will continue to find peace. If we get the gospel right in our life, we will experience peace. And if we get the gospel out as the church is called to do, our city will have the opportunity to find peace. We have the ultimate message to give hope to the world. Let me ask you about where you are at today. Think about where you've been the past week, the past month. Have you been experiencing the peace that passes all understanding? The peace that comes from resting and your identity in Christ, knowing that he's already taken care of your greatest problem. Jesus said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Are you resting in your identity in Christ that he is preparing an eternal home for you? 
If not, perhaps your problem is that peace has been your focus. Turn to Christ. This is why we take communion to remember the peace that we have in Jesus through his death on the cross. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to know, like, the peace comes because in supplication with thanksgiving, we're giving, we're giving them over to the Lord. And when we truly hand them over to the Lord and trust him and we're thankful because he always does what's best for us, we have the peace of God follows. That's, that's the natural consequence of somebody who hands their burdens over and trusts the, in the one who he's handed the burdens over to. Peace comes. God's got this. He knows what's going on. The church is a place of peace because Christ is our foundation. So as we close this morning, my prayer for you is that the public gathering is something that you anticipate with great joy. We get to come together and encourage one another with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is that you would be continually reminded that, that we are stronger together. We, we are weakest when we are alone and isolated. The cord of three strands is not easily broken. We're stronger together as a church locally and as the big C church. We need the churches around us. We need the gospel-believing churches around us to participate in the advancement of the gospel because we can't do it alone. And then remember, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have peace in Jesus. The church is a place of peace that we point people away from themselves, away from their circumstances to the joy of Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. Here's some action steps that you can put into place this morning. I encourage you to put to memory Psalm 122, verses 1 and 2. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Perhaps you find yourself heavy. Perhaps it hasn't been the most joy for you. And, and maybe the Lord's just calling you, God, I just confess, it, it hasn't been a joy. Help me to understand why. And I encourage you, wrestle through with somebody else about your joy and what it and what it's like coming to church. Second thing there, read Psalm 123. We're just going to keep going in order here all the way through 134. And so keep that on your mind. Prepare your heart for what God may have for us in that psalm. And then question number three there, are you experiencing peace? Maybe this morning you're not a believer in Christ, and that's why you don't have peace. Or, or you are a believer, but you are focusing so much on getting rid of what's causing you anxiety instead of finding your hope in Christ. You are overly pursuing peace in an, an idolatrous kind of way when Christ is calling you, look at me, come to me. And then lastly, let's just be people who strive for Christian unity. 
do everything we can to grow one another up, encourage one another, but also looking for unity with other believers that are in other churches. We, we are stronger together. With that, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we find in it. I thank you for the unity that we have in Christ, Lord. It, it, is, it is a wonder here. Father, I don't know if I'd know anybody here apart from the gospel work that you've done in our lives. But Father, what an amazing thing that we have peace through the gospel of Christ. And because of that, we have fellowship together. We have unity. And so, Lord, continually bring us together. God, help us to know it's hard. I don't even know how to fully do it, but to have unity with other local gospel-believing churches so that we can impact the kingdom of God together. Lord, that we would not be so stuck on ourselves and our own thing, but we would care more about the kingdom of God advancing than about the success of Gospel Community Church. For that is the only thing that will last for eternity. Gospel Community Church will one day fade away, but the kingdom of God is forever. So Lord, help us. Help us to pursue the things that matter most. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Well, as we close, we have an important announcement that we have to make. I'm going to invite Zach up, who's going to share something with us this morning. And so let's uh, listen to what he has for us. Well, I wrote this down because I want to make sure I got through it. Um, it's with great difficulty and a heavy heart, I inform you that I'm resigning my position as, uh, as a worship pastor at Gospel Community Church. Uh, Margaret and I have thought and prayed about this extensively, and we both are confident that God is leading us um, specifically at this time to um, step down and uh, specifically to take a period of, of rest and a time off of vocational ministry. Um, we will also be moving to Marion, Indiana, where Margot will have an opportunity to eventually pursue a doctorate in nursing degree, and, and we put much thought and care and prayer into this decision because we will miss um, all of the friends and many of the, so many of the relationships in, in this church so dearly, and, um, and I'm going to miss leading you all in worship every Sunday. Um, our last, speaking which our last Sunday is going to be July 2nd. Um, and I've been collaborating with Ben and the elders and trying to make this as smooth as, of a transition as possible until you all find uh, someone to step in. Um, but what a blessing it has been to be able to serve you and to serve Jesus with you for the last two and a half years. And I know that God <clears throat> has amazing things in store for Gospel Community Church. And Margaret and I um, will keep you in our prayers specifically that, that God brings the right person at the right time to step in and do this role. So if you have any questions, feel free to catch me uh, after the service or email me um, and call me if you have my number. Um, and if you want to talk, Ben also would, would love to talk to you and answer any questions as well. But we love you guys. And that's all I got. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to invite uh, Mark up to come pray, but uh, I don't know about you, but I've been very grateful for what Zach has brought to our church. I'm going to have you stay up here, Zach. Make you more awkward standing up here. <laughs> uh, he has served well. He's served faithfully. 
Um, he, was, he was not a, a burden to deal with. Uh, I'm kind of up and down, and, and Zach's is kind of even keel. And I've been very appreciative of that uh, because I, I can be on a roller coaster sometime. And so we're grateful for his impact over the last two and a half years. Sad to see him go. Grateful for a message today. We're reminded of where our peace comes from. And uh, we're, we're, we're grateful the way God has led Zach and Margo, and, and we want to be praying for him. So be praying for them in this transition. Lots to do in the next month. And then also just be praying for our church in hopeful anticipation that when, when God gives, God takes away, and we'll trust that God will give back again and uh, that he'll be faithful. And so, Mark, would you just uh, pray for, our, for Zach? Sure, before I do, um, make sure you take today from now until he leaves to thank him personally. I've had so many of you come and tell me how you've been blessed by the worship and the song choices, and that's Zach. So by the Spirit's moving in his heart. So don't miss that opportunity uh, before they go, and also Margot, because she's probably 60% of it, just so you know. So. Let, let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for bringing people into our lives that uh, meet a need at a specific time, and that was Zach and Margo. And Lord, you moved them from Colorado all the way to Indiana, and now you're moving again, and we're thankful that your spirit lives within us and gives us direction and guidance. And so I pray as they have sought you, and this is where they believe that you are leading them, I pray that your hand of blessing would be on them, that you would make their path straight, you would give them ease in making preparation. And I pray that as we have opportunity over the next weeks to show them how much we appreciate them, Lord, I, I just ask that we would uh, have that on our minds and in our hearts and that we would uh, send them off well. I pray for a blessing for their marriage, draw them together, keep them strong. I pray the blessing for their girls, Lord, that they would come to know you as Savior. And we just thank you again for the opportunity uh, for them to be here with us. Thank you for moving in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Church, as we close, let me remind you that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, so let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.